Show, episode number 284. My name is John Morgan, and Cold Coffee is with me. Mm-hmm. We are hanging out on a beautiful Thursday afternoon at the Casa de Cold Coffee. Well, it's, it's evening time now, if I'm being honest. But we are at the Casa de Cold Coffee with a couple of natty lights. <laughs> just a couple. To, it's just the leftover remains of a 15-pack sitting here. Beautiful, beautiful frosty beverages. Uh, happy to be hanging out. I will say if you are a frequent listener and a very astute listener, you will remember that last week I promised you I would be in Dallas, Texas this week. Oh, yes. I was supposed true. to go visit my family. I haven't told anybody this, uh, but I had a panic attack at the airport, dude. That's Shut why I ended up staying. Up. Yeah, man. I, I haven't even told you this. So I, um, for whatever reason, and this is crazy because if, if you know anything about me and my job and what my life has been like for the last decade – uh, I mean, I've flown close to 2 million miles at this point. Um, I am starting to develop a fear of flying out of nowhere. And it's not the fear of the flight. Like, I'm not afraid of the, the, the plane crashing or anything like that. Fear of them running out of frosty beverages. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, dude, they don't have enough vodka on there for me. Uh, no, it's uh, it's claustrophobia. It's, it's, yeah, fear of kind of being in these enclosed tight places. And it's been happening for a while. Um, but I've been able to do it, get by it, I think basically because like when I'm going to do commentating or when I've been going to travel to cover UFC events, it's like, I'm doing this, like if I don't get on this plane, I'm not getting my paycheck. So I have to get money. Um, but I was at the airport, I was at the airport. I was in, I was in the gate, man. I was at the gate sitting down D nine over at McCarran and, um, I think the fact that I didn't have to get on the plane because I was going to visit my family. Not that I don't want to go see my family, uh, but the fact that I didn't necessarily have to get on the plane made it, I don't know, maybe easier for my mind to trick itself or whatever. Uh, and I, I just I couldn't get on the plane, man. I, I, I had to call my mom and apologize. And, uh, yeah, man, it's kind of, in, in, I mean, a little bit embarrassing to wow. talk about, if I'm being honest with you. But, uh, I, you know, we, we keeps it real. We keeps it real. Because all the bars were closed at the airport. Well, you couldn't <laughs> self-medicate. So here's the thing. There is something to that. Now, I, I have, uh, I'm, I'm trying to go talk to some doctors and figure out what we can do. The thing is this. If I drink a couple of vodkas, if I have a couple of vodka sodas or whatever, get a, get a tiny little buzz on, I, it actually does make it way easier. Like, I just I – it doesn't bother me at all. I know that's not necessarily the healthiest way to deal with it. Yeah. Uh, but it does work. But this was a 6 a.m. flight, and I, uh, even see? me, even John Morgan felt a little bit, you know, weird about maybe like – Cracking open some vodkas at four in the morning and, and, and getting a little, you know, pregame on to get on the flight. And, and so I didn't. I find that hard to believe. I, I know. I'm trying to show morals. I'm trying to show character. I've, and not to mention, I did actually go to a doctor who, who kind of recommended to me, hey, bro. Slow down. It's about time. It's so now time. every alcohol com- company in the world is saying like what everybody else is saying, like, fuck 2020. <laughs> 2020 sucks. <laughs> Stocks are going to go down, man. I'm <laughs> like, telling you. It's finally reached that day when Morgan's not going to morning drink. Yeah. it's uh, <laughs> He basically, the doctor told me, he's like, hey, man, uh, you'd be perfectly healthy otherwise, but you need to you need to slow down a little bit. So, uh, But, yeah, so anyway, I didn't go to Dallas. Uh, and, yeah, I got I to gotta figure this out in my head, man. I don't know what it well, is. Well, it's crazy, though, because so you would normally sort of self-medicate with a little bit of the alcohol to kind of ease the nerves. 
but you know society and you know your doctors, they're going to be like, well, how about Xanax? How about some other medication? I was reading about it, and they said – I was reading about, like, dealing with this, and that's exactly what they said. They were like, hey, you know, take some of these antidepressants, yeah. and it'll work for you. But I'm honestly, I'm scared to do that. Like, given my history well. – Yeah, yeah, yeah. Given my history – especially – yeah, I mean, because you have to be aware of the fact that you can't you can't really drink on those things. Like, remember our, our trip to, to Melbourne, the, the – infamous 15-hour sleep was Ooh. half a Xanax and some whiskey yep. or some alcohol. So that's the thing is, like, if you know that – but, I mean, granted, it's not like you would be taking Xanax daily. There's some people that have to take it daily. It's a lot more of a worry on that particular instance. Right. Like, if you know you're going to be taking it daily, then you're going to have to alter how you drink. Right. But if you know you're only taking Xanax for a flight, then it's just like, okay, if, I, if I'm going to – and even then, if you know that you can have a couple drinks, you know, and you know it's an afternoon flight, then maybe go that route instead of taking the pill because yeah. it's just switching from one one basket to another exactly. when you're switching something like that. But what's funny is that society would say, oh, no, take the medication that your doctor tells you. Don't right. just drink like you've been doing where it's like it's doing the same sort same of thing, thing you know, but whatever. Uh, that's crazy. I it's remember weird, you right? talked about that in the past that it started to get to you. It's the first uh, time I've ever, like, I mean, it's, yeah. got, it's there's been a couple times where I've gotten on a plane and I feel, like, kind of short of breath and, like, some pressure, but yeah. I kind of distract myself with some music, kind of just, I look down, you know, and, 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 and obviously, again, a couple cocktails, uh, and, and I'm good to go. Um, this is the first time I, I actually didn't get on the plane, and, uh, man, honestly, like, it felt like a like a like a a defeat, like a failure. You know what I mean? Like you dude, are, like, John. You're you're a failure. I'm now. a failure. No, I didn't say I felt like I am a failure. <laughs> no, 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 no. I said like, it. Oh, I said that. I said that. Love the support. Your mom, your poor mom's, for her. So now she's like, oh, so what? I gotta pay you now to come home now. <laughs> I gotta pay yeah. you. You gotta earn money it's, to come visit me now. This is just now. a very complicated side hustle, basically. <laughs> this is a side hustle for mom's <laughs> money. I get uh, it. I get so, it. I mean, I got I got to get it worked out. I got to figure it out. So anyway, yeah, that's why I'm not not in Dallas. Uh, kind of a kind of weird moment. Uh, I know we'll we'll talk in May, but I figured I'd uh, I figured I'd share that little personal update. It uh, is it is crazy. I don't know if, if other people are dealing with stuff like that. Let me say, you're not alone. I got you, man. Irrational <laughs> fears, uh, irrational issues are are uh, are okay. Or it, okay. It's 2020. I think everything goes right now. I Every, did, it, this is the year for everything to, to rear its ugly head. I did think about that, too, because part of it is also, I mean, like, so you start, so I start to feel like a little short of breath or whatever, right? Well, now I'm feeling short of breath, and I got this mask on that I can't take off. You know what I mean? And, and the, I mean, I'm pretty, oh, I'm pretty dang used to wearing the mask at this point. You know what I mean? We've been doing it for so long. But, yeah, to feel a little short of breath and then to have that mask on and not be able to take it off, I think that may have added to it a little bit. Um and then, you know, the other thing, it was a really, really crowded flight. Like, there were so many people, like, waiting in line to get on. Um, and, you know, the flights have been kind of empty lately. But I, I don't know. Anyway, that was kind of a, a crazy moment for me. On a brighter note, let me just say, this is my last week of furlough. I know you still have one left, so I'm not trying to rub it in for you. But uh, I am excited to be done with furloughs. Our company has announced, you know, we've been taking one week off a month since way back in April. In fact, we had to take two off in April and then one week a month since. And... It looks like we're finally going to put that in the rearview mirror, and I'm, and I'm pretty excited about it because, again, I've had some kind of ups and downs in, in dealing with, uh, you know, the, what the furlough weeks are like. But the one thing, like, when we first started the furloughs, I was like, well, you know what? I'm just going to stay busy during furlough week, and I'll get interviews, and I'll do whatever, and, and, I'll, and I'll get stuff for the, um, for, the, for the Patreon, you know, for, for the MMA Roadshow. But what happened is I started feeling kind of guilty about 
asking fighters uh, to set up like interviews and stuff because I know they know me as you know the guy that works for MMA Junkie, and so. Yeah. I know that when they when they volunteer to give me their time to do an interview and all that, they expect to they see expect the coverage on there. They yeah. do. They expect sure. to see it on MMA Junkie, and so because of that, I I didn't do as much as I thought I would be willing to do just for the roadshow. And I and I, and I wish I could have done more, but I just I, I felt guilty to be honest with you. I didn't want I didn't want somebody to do an interview with me and then them not see it where I'm sure they expected to see it. Um, so, yeah, I felt bad about that. But now that the furloughs are over. But if they realize that the fans that are listening to it are the most passionate, diehard, true. best looking, true. best smelling, and most have intelligent, the hottest wives, have the hottest I mean, husbands, classiest, the smartest everything. kids, <laughs> the, the, the best kept lawns. We know that. If you're tuned in, we know. This is it. This is where they would want their content to go. So I'm hoping now that I'm done with that, that now I I won't mind doing that. For instance, I uh, did speak with uh, with Ben Rothwell uh, this past week. Big Ben. Catching up with him on kind of everything that's going on in Kenosha, Wisconsin. You know, obviously. Yeah, surprise. Is he done burning shit out there? You're so wrong. Dude. You're so wrong, man. Oh man, you obviously haven't heard the interview yet. He's like, no. uh, he's like, beside himself with how difficult this time has oh, been, I and bet. now you're just like, guys, yeah, out there burning stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, he's good. Burn so, it down, man. I did. Uh, I, <laughs> I did post that over at Patreon.com/slash The MMA Roadshow. Uh, so if you're if you're on part of the Patreon, uh, do go check it out over there. And if if you're not. Maybe you could go over there and sign up and, and listen to it, and then I'll, I'll end up doing some stuff with it later. But now, now that I'm back from furloughs, I can I can do stuff where I do like, you know, say I put like a thirty or forty minute conversation with somebody on the road show. Yep, yep. But then I, you know, then I still do a story of like a section of it or whatever on MMA Junkie. So now I can do both. So now I'm excited. Perhaps. I'm excited to move perhaps. forward and, and perhaps get back the to road show will allow it. <laughs> I, well, yeah. If I mean, first, I, forgot, I mean, obviously, I've got to approach the executive team and of the MMA Roadshow. <laughs> yes, 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 and, and yes. talk to the board. Talk I've to the to, board. Got to talk to the board. Talk to the board. Try to, uh, you know, obviously, they're I believe, a very tough bunch. I was gonna say, I believe all uh, content requests like that have to be formally submitted in writing, if I yes, remember the process yes, correctly. Yes, yes, yes. It's it's a lot of paperwork, but uh, if it's worth it, I'm sure you'll go with it. <laughs> all right. So listen, uh, while I'm on furlough and busy having personal emergencies and mental breakdowns. Uh, you've been busy, man. Uh, you've been busy all this week. Of course, it started with uh, Dana White's Contender Series on Tuesday night. I watched that one on uh, on ESPN Plus. I had it streaming through my Apple TV. Watched it at home, um, and I kind of <laughs> sounded s- like a plug. Apple TV, give us money. Yeah, please. ESPN, give us money. Oh, we I'll, just plugged your shit. We'll take it. We'll take it. Trust we me. We will take it. I use your product. I'll take it. <laughs> uh, but no, uh, dude. I just want to say I thought it was a great show, man. Uh, I thought the fights were awesome, man. The 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 talent they put. I feel like. <sighs> Maybe I'm maybe I'm making this up in my head, or, or maybe it's I don't know what it is, but I feel like this year's contender series has probably been like the best out of in terms all of talent. Of yeah, I just feel like the fights have been money. Like yeah. the last couple of weeks have been on point. The fights have been amazing. Uh, the, the 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 talent that's been produced has been you know really good. Like guys, I'm like, yeah, I want to watch that guy fight. Um, yeah, I, mean, I felt like this was a great week. Yeah, it's true, and even the uh, and and it's not just in the guys. Even the I think the female fighters that they brought out have been nice prospects. Uh, put on good fights. Uh, uh, who is it? Uh, Cheyenne, Cheyenne. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the other day is and was an Cheyenne absolute base, yeah. beast, dude. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, Fortis uh, MMA product. There, is, by uh, the way. that's true. That's mm-hmm. true. Uh, and I tell you, he was literally over my 
over my shoulder the whole time that that we were sort of interviewing her, and like I was just waiting for him Safe to like, was. yeah, I was just waiting for him to like hit me on my head if I didn't ask her a question or if I asked the wrong <laughs> Dude, question. Dude, he was he was very. High. I mean, he told me before the season started, he was like, watch her, watch her. Dude, She's she, a beast. And he her striking, he doesn't is, give fake promises. Yeah, man. her no, he striking, doesn't. she is tough, man. She she has a lot of power. So I'm looking forward to, and she's like the perfect UFC sort of package. She's a decent looking girl. Um, she talks. Swagger. She talks well. Yeah. She boasts about herself, and then she went out and proved it. So that was pretty cool. But yeah, you're right. I mean, I think the talent. Uh, they're doing a nice job of bringing back guys that have been there before, mm-hmm. um, and then some of these other cats. You know, it's funny now when we have our a lot of our staff picks. Uh, I'll look at the the roster a lot of times, and I'll see a, a contender series veteran. And half the time, I'll just pick them because most of the guys coming up through the contender series. They're just studs. Yep. I mean, they really are bringing good talent. And this year, yeah, I think they're doing a decent job of of finding people. I mean, if I was on the roster and I was just being idle right now, I would be worried because they're bringing a lot of studs and studettes onto the roster. I'd have been fine with all five of those winners getting contracts the other night, if I'm being honest with you. Oof, I was a little surprised that uh, uh, Melsick didn't get one. And I didn't pay attention to why, because uh, I think somebody came in the back. I didn't hear why he didn't, what yeah. Dana's sort of reasoning was. Um, he did sort of gas out towards the end, but up to that point, I was like, this kid's a stud. Uh, I he, thought the guy he fought was a pretty that's badass the thing as is, well. Melsick, sorry, you're talking about who was in the feature fight, absolute savage, but... Dennis Bazookia, uh stud as well. You know what I mean? It was just it was one of those things. A lot where, of heart weathered oh, it and, and then brought it back to him. Melsic in that first round was throwing so yeah. hard. When you look so at his, hard. his recent record, when you see that most of the the last like three or four like fights 10 seconds. didn't make it past ten seconds. Yeah. And you're just like, Holy cow. Yeah. You know, so yeah, I mean great on Bazookia for that to be able to, to get through the pat get through that. But I was a little surprised that that one didn't um, I wasn't too upset about the the one that went to decision. Tucker Lutz, the first Tucker one. Tucker Lutz. Yeah. You know, I, I just S- Solid, but it wasn't quite that. Like, he just kind of pulled off a little bit, yeah. and that's the thing that, you know, that if there's a recurring theme, it's you, even if you're absolutely dead tired, at least give it all. So then Dana can at least, they'll leave, at least say, did he slow down? Did he stop? Did he give up? Or did he just give it all? And then wore out because then they'll think, oh, okay, maybe he needs a little bit more fights to work on the cardio. Right. Or they'll say, I think we saw enough and we saw enough heart to give him a shot. Because this year we haven't seen a developmental contact, uh, contract right. yet. Everything is – they've been signing people right and left. Um, so it's just, it's just that final deal. And that's what I was trying to get from Dana in, in the, the post-interview. I was like, we haven't seen that, but what's the difference to you? What is the final thing that people need to, to do or – to show you, and if he sees anybody let off the gas at any point before the end of the fight, they're not getting one. That's it. Even if they win, even Push if they've the kind of won all three if rounds, somebody that's not hook. even a guarantee. Mm-hmm. It's not a guarantee. You could dominate for three rounds, but if you let off in the third round, it's just to the point the competition and the levels are so good that they're just not picking people. Yep. You know, and it's crazy because they're put, they put out. So what was it going into this one? There were 19 wins. There was, what, like 15 contracts or 15 or 16 going in, and then they did three more. It's crazy. It's a lot of people. It's a lot, a lot of, of contracts they're giving out. You know, it's funny. I love watching those post fights, by the way, when I'm not there because it, it does the MMA Roadshow proud, man. It's all it's all cold coffee and, uh, hot, and hot tea. And Oscar hot tea. Willis it's, from the Mac It's literally the roadshow. It's, it's literally the roadshow, man. I love watching it. Uh, no, you know, so a couple things I want to mention real quick about that. You know, you talked about the lack of developmental deals um, this year. 
I, I could be wrong about this, and, and I've never heard anybody formally say this, but you remember at one point, Dana, uh, in fact, it might have even been Oscar that brought this up, um, but we kind of talked about how the fact that, you know, the regional shows are getting started again, you know what I mean? But the schedule is still a little bit light for, for the regional stage. I mean, LFA and CFFC, um, top two, you know, regional promotions, they're kind of back up, but not everybody is. And so I think that's a little bit concerning right now for the UFC is um, – you know, putting people in this developmental deals and then maybe not be able to get them actual developmental fights, you know, because it's yeah. because of the holdups. That's the one thing. The other thing I wanted to point out, too, and we did put a post up on MMA Junkie, but did, I don't know how many did, people where saw did, it. Where did Knight get his fights? Wasn't he CFFC? CFFC, baby. Yeah. CFFC, baby. <laughs> I had to bring that because I knew you had a little skin, you know, that's a how little skin in the game. That's how we do a CFFC. <laughs> um, which, by the way, He's uh, a beast, dude. I'm, I'm bummed to find out. I'm, not gonna, I'm, I'm likely not going to be able to do the commentary for September's two weeks. There's CFFC 84 and 85, yeah. and I thought I was going to be able to go. It's in the Memphis area. Uh, but because of the flights to Fight Island and, more importantly, the COVID testing that has to be done, yeah, I don't think I'm going to be able to do it. So I'm bummed about that. So I think I'm going to miss the Memphis next, is fine, the next two cool months. Memphis is fun, Yeah. That's a cool area. But uh, too bad. But the other thing I was going to say is, you know, when Dana said, I'm going to bring people back in November – and I saw a lot of people going, wow, they're, they're doing more shows in November. Um, again, I haven't heard this formally announced, but I think it's pretty obvious. And uh, I actually tweeted to, to our good buddy Dan Tom, our fight analyst at MMA Junkie, and <clears throat> one Michael Bisping did like the tweet. So I'm assuming that uh, he thought the – I believe he thought the information was accurate. But I said, I think what they'll do is put it on hold while they're in Fight Island and then pick it back up in November. Which is crazy because, I mean – it feels like this season. I can't remember what they do last year. Thirteen, thirteen or fourteen weeks. No, it's like eight to ten. Really? Yeah, I think ten. I think last time was ten. Because we still got five more, and we've done five. Yeah, but see, what I think we've they're going to do is they're going to do five weeks. They're still going to squeeze more. two more in, and then they're going to take a break for Fight Island because Dana can't be in two places. And by the way, Dana actually, I talked to him the other day on the phone. He said he's going to stay uh, the whole time in yeah. Fight Island, which we again hasn't been officially announced, but we. Assume is, is starting with the next pay per view, 253, and then ending what with 254. What could they possibly be, be waiting, waiting on? For? I know. So it I don't think they're going to no do. Sense. I don't think they're going to do any contender series while we're over in Fight Island, and then once we come back, they'll launch it again because I don't. I don't think they want to. I don't think they want to go to the expense of bringing all these prospects over to Fight Island because yeah. you could do them there if you wanted to, but I don't think they want to go to that expense. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, you can't do it here when the when Dude, the, uh, the UFC the UFC doesn't want to go to that expense. Well, Abu Dhabi's not paying for it, so they don't. <laughs> they're like we're not paying for contenders; we're paying for they, UFC. They want the UFC stuff. Uh, but come on, guys, just bulk it in, just bulk it in. That's why they're they're like the check hasn't cleared yet, so we can't actually <laughs> say Fight Island yet because I don't know what the holdup is, it. man. My, it my doesn't make is, any sense. It's close. If my my understanding is that basically. Uh, which, by the way, I guess I'll, I'll share news. Um, before I went on furlough, uh, I did talk to Simon Simano, and he did say, by the way, USA Today has approved you to go back to Abu Dhabi. So uh, I am approved from our company to go back over there, which is awesome. I'm excited about that because, uh, I, I mean, I hate to leave my family home for six weeks, which kind of sucks. But fortunately, my wife and, and son are understanding of, of what it takes. But I'm excited that we're going to have that on-site coverage of, of all those events, uh, and I'm excited to go be there. But um, – the thing is, we don't even have a departure date yet. I'm assuming yeah. if it's like last time, we, last time we left on a Friday, and that's because you got to get over there and you got quarantined for 48 hours. So I'm assuming I'm going to leave on Friday, September the 18th, and then come back after uh, UFC 254 in October, uh, which is, of course, uh, Habib and Gaethje. So it's a, it's a pretty long stretch. But, yeah, even today as, as we sit here talking, we don't have any official – 
I mean, if you look at it, all those promos for 253, which the promos are awesome, right? Out of Sonia Costa, who doesn't want this fight? <clears throat> None of them show where the location is. They still have not officially announced location. It's very, it's very frustrating. Have you called that restaurant to say, save me the booth yet? <laughs> should, I should call Stills call over there. Stills. Dobby, Dobby. Like, hey, Stills. I'm, I'm coming back. Make sure the Mr. office. Mr. Morgan's is, coming back. Mr. Morgan's coming. Make sure the office is there. So, Did they call you Mr. Morgan or did they call you when you came in? No, Mr. Morgan. No, oh, Mr. Morgan. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so listen, uh, there was some news afterwards. I said you and uh, you and Oscar Willis were talking to Dana White, and it kind of leads us into this. Mark Fellows, our good friend Mark Fellows, over on Patreon.com slash the MMA Roadshow, he did say he had, he had some comments on the confirmation that Masvidal Diaz 2 is in the works. And this was a note from Mark. He said, the BMF title was fun at the time. Oh, I should make you read this in Mark's audio. The BMF title... <laughs> The BMF titles, I can't do accents. I know. Well, obviously, I can't do them either. <laughs> <laughs> the BMF title was fun at the time. Dana said one and done, and everyone seemed happy with that and enjoyed the unique event. Now Dana has backflipped, and it's potentially on again to the general amusement of fans, from what I can see. Why? A pay-per-view seller? Appeasing Macedal and or Nate? I don't need to see this rematch, let alone for a BMF belt, and I'm wondering why the USC think it's a good idea if the fans don't. Personally, I want to see Macedal versus Leon Edwards. How much star power has Diaz really got left? It's frustrating being a purist fan at times. Rant over, I need a beer. It's true. It's I'm, true. I'm 100% with him on this. But here, So here's the thing. But, well, Mark, you are also an MMA fan that is a diehard that wants the actual real stuff to happen. Like, Edwards and Masvidal makes a lot of sense just in terms of guys at the top of the division – and there's a lot of heat. There's actual That's real. It. There's Between real Between rankings there. and the history, you know. So, but I think as for the the casuals off to the side, the people are going to remember. Oh man, they might just remember. Remember that fight that The Rock showed up to the UFC and he put the belt on. What was that all about? Oh well, it was this guy and this guy. Oh well, this guy and this guy might fight again. The first thing they're think was The Rock going to be there again? You know, I mean, there's a, there's a whole different grouping. I mean. You are right in the sense, uh, when I think about why now, a fight between Diaz and him makes more sense sooner rather than later. Right. Because if there is still any smoke, if there is any heat, if there is any embers of anything, it needs to happen sooner rather than later. Because if it goes on another year or two past, people are going to forget that it even happened. You know, they're going to forget that there was any sort of something. So if you're going right. to squeeze something from it, I think the squeeze is, is now if you're going to try to get something. But in terms of, you know, most of us are like, gosh, Leon Edwards has been toiling at the top, trying to get a title shot, trying to earn his way forever, and hasn't been rewarded. This is the time that he needs to do something. And it actually means something for the division. I agree. You know, so how dare you be a purist and actually want the division to actually move forward and, and make sense Mark, you're I am hundred percent with Mark on this as well. In the fact that this is not the fight that I want to see right now, but what but I, it is a fight that you like. But that's the thing. What I want to caution is that I think what we need to understand is, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I don't think this is the fight that I most wanted to see right now. However, I still expect it to do very, very good on pay per view because, yeah. yes, for us. The hardcores were like, come on, man, I don't, I don't need to do this right now. Like, yeah. I already bought into the BMF shtick once. It right. was fun. We we let our imagine our imagination yeah. take away and have some fun. And we saw the belt and, like you said, the rock and all that. And it was like, all right, all yeah. right, it's fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I don't want to see it again. I, the, to me, Masvidal is, and Edwards is a fight that should be happening. 
Edwards deserves the opportunity. Poor dude's just toiling away over there in England, yeah. you know, not getting a shot. There is real heat. There's real beef. And yeah. that, to me, is the fight that should happen. That said, I think this fight is still going to do very well in the box office. I think it's going to do very good yeah. on pay-per-view. Um, I'm assuming that the reason, you know, because Masvidal kind of said, I don't want to put this belt up again. He's like, unless he's going to bring something to the table. I'm guessing. They're just going to make a different belt, yeah, I imagine. Well, that's true. Okay. Or they'll or they'll just make another, just like every belt. It's not like they, somebody actually hands their belt over. They that's make true. a they new belt. They make another one. That's true. That is true. That's they'll a good point. They'll just make a new BMF belt or they'll make a, a I'm sorry. When I say they'll make a duplicate of the BMF belt, right. or you never know, it might give them an opportunity to make a new version of the belt, yeah, you know, or something. Because yeah, I mean, Dana had said in the past it was a one and done, and that's it. Right. So now, if you're going to bring it back, you almost raise the gauntlet a little bit, where it's like, okay, do we step it up and make it, you know, another sort of unique belt? Because then, if you're just, oh, we're just going to repress it and make another version. Then it's like okay, might as well just open it up to the to the division okay, so, and open it up to fighters. So here's the thing: at different weight classes, I think the only reason Mazdal would want to put it on the line is because be, by putting it on the line, I'm sure that allows him to headline a pay per view, which allows yep. him to get paid more. That's the yep. only reason he would want to put that on the line. Yeah, and it's funny what you say about putting a new belt on because now this is kind of silly, I know, but I will say this: if Nate Diaz wins, and it was Mazdal having to literally hand over the belt, like it, it's literally a one of, of one, right? then they would have to do a trilogy because that would not be cool for yeah. me to win this piece of MMA history. That was supposed to be a one and done. And then have to hand it over in and a then rematch. have to give it over. At that point, you, then you have to do a trilogy because it's like, dude, that that belt is valuable. It's a, it, I, mean, well, not, I mean, not only does it have real value in terms of the materials, but like yeah. – 50 years from now or something, yep. that belt is going to be worth a lot of money, man. Yep. That's going to be a collector's item a legit, if it's a legit one of one. That's true. Because what's unique about it, or when you think about other sports uh, in, like, college football, there's a lot of trophies and things that now get passed to passed back right. and forth year after year, and they, they make a little notch on it. Right. You know, they, they do it. You know, the Illabach, there's there's all kinds of other ones. You know, uh, Michigan and, and Ohio State don't do it because we absolutely hate each other. <laughs> but, but, other but other ones that actually can work out rivalries, they actually pass stuff like back and forth. a cannon or a bell. Yeah, something like, cool. Yeah. You know I mean, so once you start creating something like that where if the BMF could become – where it actually becomes an entity on its own, then I could see something. But you're right. I mean, these belts do mean something, and they probably will be worth something at some point. So you do want to give them. So. You do want to give something that they can actually keep because if you, if I was told that I won something that was a one of one, I would always want to be able to have something on the mantle yeah. over the fireplace. I don't want to have to give it up because we decided to make more money together and and put it up for line. It's like, come on, just. Somebody make a new belt, <laughs> like, and then we'll do it. And then if he wins, we'll just go for a third one, and you'll just make a third belt for us, you know. So, um, but I honestly, I do want I I I would be I would enjoy that fight. I would be I happy to see that fight again. Hey, the night of, you listen, know, the night of, we're all gonna be like, all right, well, there's nothing you can do about it now. So yeah. let's let's enjoy this. Fight. I mean, I certainly wouldn't. I mean, and it does get Nate fighting again, which that's and that's it too. I mean, like. I mean, granted, I wouldn't be surprised if Nate is like keeps this going and it is like fifty years old and still in marathon <laughs> shape, and he's like, yeah. "Dana, fuck you, give me a fight," yep. and they give him a fight, you know. But, 
You're right. I mean, anytime we could see these guys that we don't get to see, how crazy these is that mental picture? These bitches ain't trying to give my 50 year old ass no fight. <laughs> these bitches want me to stop taking my social security so I can get in here and fight. Fuck them. Fuck them. But I'll do it if the number's right. Oh, uh, but man. I would. I, I agree with you. I would love to see. I just. I love the Diaz boys. I would love to see both of them. I would love to be able to see Nick one day oh, back I'd in there as well. I'd love to see him back. I don't think it's gonna if we could see, if we could see, see both again. those brothers on a card, I think it would do gangbusters. Oh my god. I would love to see the old crew. I would love. Fuck it, let's let's just up it, man. Put me some Gilbert Melendez on there. Get me uh, little, Nate on there. Get me Jake Nick Shields. on there. Little Jake Shields on there. Bring the whole crew. You know, just just throw down. Uh, but yeah, I, I, it makes sense what what they're trying to do. But you know, then when you turn it around and when you want to have some real reasoning behind the division and what's happening, yes, you gotta you gotta make the Leon Edwards fight, but. I wouldn't be sad. I would be sad that he wouldn't get a shot. I'm more sad because the guy needs to fight. Give him something. But there's a lot of risk of giving him anything else because we say this over and over and over again. Somebody wants to fight. They want to get in there. They want to earn a living. But if they take a loss and then that knocks them down, do they? are they still back there at the top? You know, like if you're going to give Nate and, and Masvidal the chance to, to do this thing and Leon takes a, a fight with a guy that's – well below him, but takes a loss because you wanted to keep him active. I don't want to see him drop that far out just because you're trying to keep him. But at some point, you know, you got to give these guys fights. We're seeing people fight over and over again because they happen to be near Vegas because they can fight within this bubble. And you got all these poor souls overseas and elsewhere that are just waiting and waiting to fight. And we know this. This is not like the NFL. This is not like these – other sports leagues where they have crazy amounts of money that they're nah. getting paid for a fight, and they're not getting anything guaranteed when they're not fighting. So these guys need to be making a living. So I think the only other fight I see right now for Leon is, is Wonder Boy. Which would be a fun one. And I think that would be okay because Wonder Boy is like a name. Because you look at other names, and I'll, I'll, like, I'll pull up the MMA Junkie rankings right now, uh, the only rankings you should really be paying attention to, of <laughs> right? course. Uh, we have Leon Edwards at number nine. Now, if you look below him, You've got Santiago Ponzinibbio, Jeff Neal, Vicente Luque, Michael Chiesa, uh, and then you can go to Damian Maya, Bilal Muhammad. I mean, those are all great names. Right. But if you look above them, you know, you have Wonderboy there. You have Woodley, uh, who's matched up. Uh, of course, he's fighting uh, next week or uh, two weeks from now, I should say. Mazadal, of course, uh, Burns, Covington, Usman. We know what's what's going on with all that. Um so to me, Wonderboy is a name that's not matched up, and he's above. And like I said, no disrespect to Ponzinibbio, Neil, Luque, even Kiesa at this point. Maya, yes, but I don't think Maya wants that fight. You know, he's almost on his way out. Right. Um, to me, that 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 Wonderboy name has has a little more cachet to it, if you will. You know, what I'm saying it's got a little bit more fight, and stylistically, it'd be a fun fight. So to me, that seems like that, that seems like if you're not going to get Masvidal, then the only fight to make right now is Wonderboy. I feel like that's honestly the only fighting like it's eight wrong. fights he's on an eight fight streak right now insane it's insane, insane. like to, to to think that somebody's still number nine i mean grant this is eight fights going back to 2016 uh it's it's deserving and, and then the great thing about wonder boy too is wonder boy wants to stay active and wonder boy understands it and that's not a big down push for him huh. And that would be a lot of fun. That would be that would be a fun fight. That'd I mean, would it fight. do the numbers of the Heat? No. Like Masvidal? No. Not Absolutely even close. 
not even close. But if it's on a good card with maybe Head- some Look, sort of a title, just make it a co-main event. He- headline a fight night or co-main event a pay-per-view. Yes. Yeah, I think I think that's I think that's what that fight would get you. It's and and it's it's a nice that is a good substitute. I mean, yes, I think that nothing's going to beat the heat between Masvidal and Edwards in terms of what could be next for Edwards. But even on that fight week, Masvidal might say a few things. Leon might get a little bit chippy, but it's not going to be like what we're going to hear if it's Nate and right. and 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 Masvidal. I mean, I think it'll be fun on fight night, but the whole fight week itself, it's not like we're going to see something that's like, oh, my God, I can't wait for this fight right. this weekend. Right. But we know once it gets to fight night, it'll be fun. But same. so on that same vein, Wonder Boy and Leon might not talk a lot of crap, but we know that we're going to get a good fight from it, that it will be fun to watch. Top level, yeah. top level fighters. And and I love Wonder Boy, man. He's, he understands the game. He understands that there's times where – the right fight needs to happen, and it might be a guy that's right below you, but he knows it's he for him. It's like it's it's still about that great challenge. Mm-hmm. He knows he's not right now like a number one contender or even maybe the number two person, but he knows he's up top. But a fight over the guy that everybody else is talking about and talking about maybe fighting Masvidal, that does something. I would do something for it him. It does something for him. So that is a good fight. I would I would I would I would think that would be a nice a nice substitute uh, if we know that the Masvidal Diaz is happening which it seems like it's happening. I, I think so, but I mean, hey, there could be some stumbles, there could be some roadblocks. Something can happen. I mean, Diaz might just be like, "Now nah, I'm over it." I don't think that because I think I he realizes think, I think he it. wants this one. I think he wants it as well. Yeah. So, uh, you know, if if fighters want stuff, stuff happens, but I think that would be that would be a, a nice little substitute. Right, let's talk about the other kind of news that seem to be lingering out of what happened on Tuesday night, and that is Brock Lesnar being a free agent, and uh, you know USC President Dana White saying, "Hey, if he's if he's into it, you know I haven't talked to him, but if he's into it, you know we can put some fight together." Yeah, we we're could. not even quite sure how free of an we, agent we, he is. Well, okay, that's what I want to get to right there. Okay, uh, all right. So first of all, I'm not sure I'm necessarily buying that he's coming back. Okay, I, yeah. I don't I don't know that I believe that. I I think he's happy uh, doing his wrestling thing, and I think he's doing a, a smart thing here. And, and just, you know, just negotiating. He's yep. done this before. It's not the first time. So I, I'm not yep. buying that he's coming back. That said, if he does come back um, and does decide to fight again, of course I'm cool with that. You know what I mean? I, yep. I get it. Uh, there's probably some people that don't like Brock Lesnar because they feel like he's a phony or they feel like he's doesn't belong to be here. But I'm going to tell you right now, in, in terms of covering his career, the way he moves the needle – is is crazy. It's it's amazing how much interest he gets. And so for me, that's fun, man. When all the mainstream yep. sports outlets and mainstream news stations are paying attention, and, and everybody would, everybody if, would. If he throws his his hat in the ring, everybody's going to pay attention okay. to it. So that so that's it. But let me say this. Um, and I and I tried to ask around, um, but it's it's hard to get like contract details. And Brock is notoriously private about everything. And of course, because this is a negotiation, or at least I think it's a negotiation. He's not going to want to tip his hand, so yeah. I had I had difficulty getting details. But let me say this, because a lot of, I see a lot of people saying, "Well, what about Fedor?" Or maybe you know, maybe what about uh, you know, could he go to one championship? Could he go wherever? You know, the, I just tend to believe that if he comes to fight MMA again, it's going to have to be for the UFC. I cannot imagine the UFC let him ride off into the sunset without maintaining some promotional rights over him in MMA. That is not the way the UFC works. They never have. They never yeah. will. They realize what a 
cash cow that guy is, what a superstar yep. he is. And I cannot imagine that after his last fight, they were like, oh, by the way, go back to wrestle. Hey, and you're free and clear. Should you ever decide to come back, do whatever you want with it. I just yep. can't imagine that's the case. So for anybody that's considering, could he go to Bellator? Could he go somewhere else? I'm just going to give you a warning. My guess would be he cannot. So it has to be the UFC. So with that in mind, while I don't think he's coming back, if he was coming back and he was only giving you one fight, what's the fight that you would make for him? Wow, man, that's a good question. Because, you know, especially now, you know, I don't want to just go the route because everybody's like, oh, of course, that's a great introduction for John Jones because right. that's what Dana said. You know, pardon me, I, I love some of the old heavyweights, you know, like the, the – Cain Velasquez, the okay. Junior Dos Santos, somebody okay. that you know has been around that maybe isn't one of the, uh, I guess, new breed. But right. I would love to see Derek Lewis in there opposite of him, uh, just because. That would be I would love wild. to see just two super large bodies. But I just know that uh, one dude that can't wrestle and one dude that can't that, strike, and that's and that's the problem because it, if he does his typical Brock and just bulldoze forward, get a hold of Derek, and then gets on top of him, you still can't you can't take away Brock's wrestling, even though he's aged and thing, he still has that in spades. So I wouldn't want to do that, in Derek. But yeah, I would love to see. It's the classic match: the striker versus grappler. Striker right? versus grappler. Um, shoot, if you want to, you know. I would love to see, <laughs> see Nganu with his huge, massive yeah. hands strike on Brock's head. That would be an interesting fight. Uh, and I don't want to do like the George Garcia and just take everybody out there, but it's uh, – <laughs> Well, here, all right, so, so, tough, so before really, you run really out tough. of every – before you do the George <laughs> Garcia, who if you ever – I mean, ever, I can't bring back Frank Mir. By the you way, know, if you Frank ever, Mir's if, gone. If you ever watch Spinning Back Click, which is our, our kind of talk show basically that we do every Monday, or not talk show, but like – Panel segments, yeah. whatever. Whenever you ask George from MMA Junkie Radio for we a name, we need one name. He na he names like seven. So the rest of us were like, "Well, I meant to tease you about this this one this week." He was like, uh, "They were like, give us a name," and he's like, "Well, I got two, but well, first he was like, he was like, well, I would like to say uh, so and so, but you know, that's the low hanging fruit, so I won't go that route." <laughs> so <laughs> I would say either this person, this. Or, so I was like, even though you got asked to ask one person, he ended up giving three. <laughs> But he said, I'm not going to claim the first one because it's low-hanging fruit. So, basically like so I only gave two. I'm like, no, bro. You said three people's <laughs> names. You said three people's names. That's amazing. <laughs> All right. So that's why we always rip him. All right. But I'm, I'm going to say this. I don't – I agree that the idea of John Jones and Brock Lesnar would be fun. But I don't believe they'll do that. Not in a non-title. I don't believe John Jones yeah. in a non-title. I believe John Jones' first fight at heavyweight will be for the title. I believe it will be against the winner – of Stipe uh, and Ngannou, of course, which is going to happen first. Yeah. Um, so I believe that will be John Jones' debut in the heavyweight division. I could be wrong, but this is the way I see. I'm, 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 I'm looking at. I mean, the he was leads. the title. I mean, they've done that before, where a title a title holder has went to another division, yeah. and he's got. And, an and you're talking about the, the, the potential greatest of all time. Yeah. So, so I, I think, mean, he gave up the title, but he is still yeah. the title. I holder. think that's what we're going to see happen. Now, what could be crazy is just if if if, if Brock's hanging out for a while. If now now we're talking about late next year. But Brock against the winner of because he needs six months. He needs to be in the USADA program for he, six. That's months. That's right. He's got to wait six months. So he's got to yeah. get through the USADA program for six months. So I, I just this is the roadmap that I could see happening. Francis and Stipe fight first. Okay. John Jones fights that winner, and then Brock fights that winner for the title. For the title. That's fucking. Wouldn't that be crazy? crazy. Now that's. Oh that's my what, god! It's so it's so ridiculous. But it's like 
holy shit, that could actually happen. And it would be massive. And it would be massive. Oh, my Lord. Now, how sad. If that's not. (laughs) It will move the needle. It would so move the needle. It's so so ridiculous. I mean, whether. But here we are trying to fight for why Leon Edwards should get a title shot and get a shot at the top. But here we are like, no, no. (laughs) Heavyweight division. What massive madness can we come up with? Uh, And it makes sense. And we're like, it's totally fine. It's totally fine. Such hypocrites. It's so. All right. Let me give you one other scenario. (laughs) Let me give you one other scenario. And that is. We're going to bring the Undertaker is going to come over (laughs) as well. We're just going to bring the full WWE. No, for me, it would be put Brock and DC back together. I think DC would come out of retirement for that one. Of course he would. I think DC would come out of retirement for that one. I don't think he sees this as a dangerous fight. You know what I mean? I think he feels like, hey, I mean, I don't think DC comes out of retirement for Nagano. Yeah. I don't think DC retire comes out of retirement for Jones. How quick do they have to put that notice in the USADA to take somebody out of the pool? I mean, you know. Because that has that. What is it? Because if Daniel told him the other day, take me out of the pool. I guess we'd know for sure if next month or later this month he's we, back in the we pool. see another test in, in the or pool. something. It would be pretty funny if they're like uh it would be pretty funny if like Brock gets tested for six months and then they and then they come to they come to D C and they'll and they're like, Hey, we'd like to put this fight together. It's like, Yeah, I would, but I never got out of the pool and or like I got out of the pool I and he's it. like no, you didn't. We didn't file that paperwork. <laughs> <laughs> we never filed that paperwork. Like you're still. And in. they just conveniently didn't visit yeah, 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 you they, for six months. They thought you were tired, so they didn't bother with you. But I, I don't know. So to me, I, th- I don't know. That would be that would be entertaining for me. Th- those are the two options I have. Yeah, I mean, because everything else, at that point, it's it's ridiculous to start thinking about and, you know, like. Well, what makes sense for the top of the division? Because Brock isn't going to stick around. This is like a one-and-done type right. thing. So everybody that is not a John Jones, that is not a title holder, you're more than likely never going to get a shot to fight. Unless you're like Correct. a DC. Unless you're never going to get a shot to fight Correct. Brock. Correct. And it just – it uh, it sucks. But when you realize it, I mean, because even if say, – say what you laid out, you know, of Steve Ngannou – happens the winner fights jones and then that winner fights brock and somehow brock pulls off magic it's not like he's gonna defend it no he's out i mean this is i would be so i i can't even think think about my head literally is ready to pop off my shoulders right now it would it would this is if it happens if it ever would which i don't think i'm not really feeling confident it's a one and done type thing for as most the, the most amount of money they could ever make. So then at that point, it's like, who could it possibly be? If if it isn't a title, you, it makes you wonder. All right, so say say in a world where Stipe defends against Nganu, Stipe uh, then fights Jones and holds on to the belt. Right. Do you then still want to have Stipe fight Brock? Or if Jones is like, F this, I want to fight Brock. And Brock's like, I like that Jones guy. Could you see the UFC skipping a title thing and giving them Jones if both of those cats want to do it? Yes. And do you think it would do as well or better than Stipe versus Brock? Yes. Jones, Jones Brock does way better. I do. I think Jones so Brock. as well. Whether he's got the title or not, Jones versus Brock, All I think, right. does so much better. Let me lay out the scenario that I think would be insane. I mean, again, we're talking hypotheticals. This is, like, been, ridiculous. Which this we've been is, doing a lot lately. This is ridiculous. But it's fun, talk. right? We got yeah. I mean, look, the cards we've had lately. It's natural light. It's, it's the, the natty light. It's the, going. Oh. <laughs> All right, here's, here's the scenario I think that ends up being the most profitable for the UFC and just the craziest, right? All right, so uh, – Stipe and Francis fight, okay? 
Francis Francis wins. Francis knocks him out. So Francis is your new UFC heavyweight champion. Okay. Francis now fights John Jones. Mm-hmm. Knocks him out. Whoa. Francis has just beat the light heavyweight goat of all time, and then you put Francis Ngannou against Brock Lesnar for a heavyweight title fight, and I think that would do insane numbers. That would do crazy numbers. I think that would do insane numbers. I mean, the yeah. the, the visuals of that fight, Francis and Brock, two oh absolute monsters, two absolute monsters. And then, then Brock out wrestles Francis Ngannou. Takes the title, and then DC comes out of retirement to fight for the title one more time. <laughs> DC and Brock for the title. Tell me right there that path to the. T- oh my! Can you imagine the pay-per-view buys that are that are sold along the way as we see in Ganu Jones, in Ganu Lesnar, but then Lesnar Cormier, and then that sets up the immediate rematch of Jones and DC for the belt afterwards. <laughs> No, you can't do that to DC. At that point, DC is too old. He's got to go. He's got to <laughs> go. But he has the belt. That's why I always, I always say, like, I, the one reason. One I, last final big paycheck. Because oh da- because Dana's going to be like, be I can't let you come. I can't let you come and take the belt if you're not going to defend, defend it, it one time. you got to defend it against Jones. you got to defend it. I will say, you're right. That would be the next uh, massive paper. I mean, yeah. at this point, dude, we're talking about all those being, like, potential million-buy events. I mean, yeah. these would be huge. But here's the thing I've always said about DC fighting Jones for his retirement fight. I don't want to see it for one reason alone, and that he's is he's already had his retirement fight. What? Okay, everything's his, his gravy real now. retirement fight. It's all gravy his, his now. Real retirement <laughs> fight. The reason I don't want to see or didn't want to see against Jones in his last fight is because, uh, like, Jones is is not that guy who would like knock him out and then like pick him up off the canvas and be like. Don't worry, DC. You're a legend. You're one of the greatest ever. You know what I mean? He wouldn't be that guy. And I'm not trying to be mean to John Jones, but I think we all know the kind of person that John Jones is. And he would just continue talking shit. Basically, yeah. it's just like, but ah, it's not like it's not I like beat you, you tear. You should go back to the old old but imagine man. Imagine if DC you know? fought Brock and Brock wins. It's not like Brock's going to give it to him either. That's true. But then that that just means Brock would Brock. I don't see Brock defending that even if he got it, but. I feel like we just slipped into like a weird alternate reality, like where <laughs> yeah. we're really talking mad craziness. Because, because it's funny, is I don't even think Brock's coming back. But I'm yeah. just saying, if he does that, come back, I'm gonna imagine like, the scenario. Brock is not Brock. I would be super, super. And it's funny because who said it the other day, or maybe it was Dana or somebody was like, "Well, I was wrong when I said he wouldn't come before." And that was Alistair. Alistair said Alistair that today. Yeah, said that today said yes. That. So you're right. I mean, it's like it's almost just pure lunacy to talk about it but it's like weirder things have happened but yeah it just i think i think he'll get either resigned to or he's gonna go and get some random hollywood movie once or something fun furlough talk i mean it's natty how how much do we really want to get into usc and espn plus 34 which we'll do that shortly but uh let me say this by the way this is better if you like exactly you see what i'm saying (laughs) if you like what you're hearing even though it's hypothetical uh do us a favor make sure that wherever you're listening that you log in you take a moment to uh, rate us review us we always appreciate the feedback uh hopefully you can leave us five stars tell other people about us you know make sure you subscribe all those things help us out or if you want to take your game to the next level, mm, step it up. Head on over to patreon.com slash the MMA Roadshow. You can sign up there for as little as $3 a month. That gives you uh, special uh, exclusive access to all of our and-a-half shows where we do the mm. post-fight shows each and every week after a UFC event, which is now basically just 
each and every week. Uh, <laughs> also, you'll you'll have access to uh, interviews like I did with uh, with Ben Rothwell. We'll be talking about what's going on in Kenosha, and we'll be adding more content to that in the very very near future. Now that my furloughs are all in the background, thankfully, um, and and you can you can join amazing people like. Joe Lucente, who deserves a, a very, very special welcome. Welcome! Appreciate being part of the team. As well as Ross Finlayson, who Ross, showed up as well. Ross, welcome! Or, I, I don't, I'm thinking maybe it's, I, I believe it's Finlayson is how you pronounce that. Unless, I was thinking, maybe he's Japanese and it's Finlayson. Ah, Finlayson. But then there would be like a hyphen in there or something. Oh, that's true. Finlayson. Like Saki Kabara-san. Well, they wouldn't even, they wouldn't even actually even have the sound written out. It would just be Finley. And then sounds Son. like the, the little honorific at the end. Ooh, ah, Finley. You. you know more Son. Japanese than I do. Uh, <laughs> shout out to Zach Nelson as well, by the way. Uh, ah, Zach Nelson. Even though we are still enjoying our natty lights over here, he's uh, he has supplied us some frosty beverage money, so we ap- really appreciate that. Helping keep the cooler over there stocked. We'll, yes. we'll see how deep we get into the cooler tonight. If you ever, if you, if you don't want to <laughs> support us, once we get through this watered down shit, that oh we're, my gosh, that it's we're, so watery. But, it's but we had to get the box out of keeps there. Keeps us hydrated. We had to get the fucking box keeps out us hydrated. Of if you ever just want to. Uh, Donate some Frosty Beverage Funds. You can do that over at Venmo and uh, John-Morgan-400. And you say, well, what does the 400 mean? Why did you, why did you log in with why that? Why is that? Just because I had no idea how to use a username. <laughs> so I guess I'm the, to change I it? believe I'm the 400th John Morgan that signed up. Oh, that's ridiculous. Uh, because I am just John-Morgan-400. And uh, I, I, when I was signing up for Venmo, I didn't know. So here's here's how the go behind the curtain of how fancy we are. So besides the nat, natty light that we're finishing – we're also drink eating, not drinking, <laughs> some Kroger brand generic Kaleidos, <laughs> which are the generic version of Oreos, but they're absolutely delicious. But that's how fucking classy this show is. Natty Light and Kaleidos. That's right. That's how we do. Hey, you know what? But you know what you can I see? I didn't even realize. Look, oh, there's an, like an open here thing that I didn't, have to, <laughs> I didn't even figure out how to open up. But see, that shouldn't right? make you feel good about, you know, investing in this show and backing yes. the show. Because you know what? We're not going to spend your money, like, just waste it. We're no. Gonna, we're, we will stretch your dollar. Yeah, we will stretch it. your dollar. Natty Light frig- and Kaleidos. I don't know if we're going to do the Natty Light again. No, we will not be. But, was, you know, it was, that was a great honor, that was, great that honor to your pops. <laughs> and uh, shout out to you, pops. Maybe, uh, maybe five. My, you can't do it every year, but maybe like five years. It was a 20-year anniversary. That was yeah, a big we'll one. Yeah, we'll switch it up. But we're so gonna, maybe like we're 25, we go back to Natty Light. Yeah, we're going to get. We'll go to a different, a different beer next year. This yeah. is a... Uh, Whoa. Shout out to Pops. Yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> real quick, let's do talk about USC and ESPN Plus 34 oh, Overeem versus Sakai. We have to. I know, I know. It's not the most exciting fight card of, of all time, if I'm going to be honest with you. And even the main event, i got to admit, I'm not overly stoked about, but I am slightly <laughs> intrigued by it. Because his name's Overeem. You said Overeem. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> really not why I did it. That's why. All right. First of all, <laughs> let's, let's throw out a caveat. All right. So media day was earlier today. Um now what you have to do is, if you're a fight fan, you watch the media day and you see who either A, doesn't show up, or B, appears from their hotel room. So a couple yes. people didn't show up. Tip, uh, tip. Carol Hosa did not show up. Uh, we find out later she's having medical issues and is off the card. Uh, Sajara Eubanks, that fight has been pulled and it's been moved to September 12th. Oh, boo. Kevin Natividad did it from his room. And? Uh, we have not officially confirmed at this point, but it appears that Kevin Natividad is out of his fight with Brian Kelleher, boo. and Brian Kelleher is getting another opponent. Oh, see, Brian, boom, Kelleher, and you did boo. So boo. It was like over, over him, boo, boom. Mm. All right. So there's like, now, I don't want to jinx anything, but I don't think I'm jinxing it. The other one that didn't show up, Zalim Imadayev, which is a fight that I am 
super that intrigued by fun. because it's him and Michelle Pajeda. And if you'll remember, Zalim Imadayev is an absolute psychopath uh, that uh, got into that nasty fight with Max Griffin, if you remember that. We heard yeah. about like all the stuff that was happening at the hotel room. I mean, he's just an absolute psychopath. And then Michelle Pajeda, of course, is – just the over-the-top crazy showman who jumps off the cage and spins and dances and does like backflips. Does backflips. The guys on the ground, he flips into him. Does it's some crazy. crazy madness. So, uh, I'm I'm hoping. Not, I'm knocking on wood right now as we speak that that fight uh, sticks together. But by the way, Zalim Imadayev was part of the uh, virtual media day no-show crew. Now. Zelene might have just said to hell with it. I'm not going down there. So we'll see. Or it's even possible maybe they didn't have a good translator available for him. That, that could happen too. So the, uh, I'm, I'm not trying to ruin anything there, but just a heads what up. What language does he speak? speak? Russian. Yeah. Maybe they just didn't have anybody. Like, I don't know. I'm just guessing. I'm, I'm trying to think of a reason. I could have filled in. My Russian's very, Russian's very good. solid. Da. Das good. It's das good. Uh, Alistair <laughs> Overeem, Augusto Sakai. Okay, look. I am intrigued by this in a way. Um. But here's the thing is, you know, Overeem at this point in his career, he's not going out talking trash or doing anything like that. Augusto Sakai, uh, Augusto Sakai was hilarious, by the way. Somebody asked him during the media day, like, uh, were you a big fan of Alistair Overeem? You know, he's been around for so long. As you were making your way up, were you a big fan? <laughs> if so, uh, what was your favorite fight of his? And he was just like, no. no. <laughs> like, all right, well, we're not playing into that question at all, yeah. are we? Um, so, yeah, no. Augusto Sakai, I mean – a, a good, a very impressive record. Uh, he's a slight underdog according to the odds makers. He's, uh, you know, had a couple of big wins in the UFC. Um, Chase Sherman, Andre Arlovski, Marcin Tubora, Blagoj Ivanov. Um, it's good. It's respectable. I mean, he, Marcus Conrado was oversized, uh, outsized. I guess I should say he was fighting up a division. Um, you know, Chase Sherman. Respectable. Andre Alaski, of course, a Hall of Famer, but that was a split decision, and you kind of wonder about where Andre is at right now. Marcin Tabura, Blagoy Ivanov, both grinders. I mean, real yeah. kind of grinders. I am I like Overeem in this contest, if I'm, if I'm being honest with you. Um, certainly not the biggest name on Overeem's record by any stretch, but I don't think it's a situation where he's not going to be focused. He's not going to be – uh, aware of the danger. I mean, Alistair realizes the end is near. You know, he said it. I'm on this last run. He wants to get to the title, whether he will or not. Ugh. You know, that remains to be seen. Uh, but, you know, he realizes there's only a handful of fights left. And because of that, I expect him to be sharp. I think that that will be, uh, you know, it won't be an issue. Um, and I just, I, I don't, I think right now, yes, okay, you talk about Overeem's chin, you talk about what he can withstand. I just don't I, – I, I may be wrong here, but I don't see Augusto as that kind of, you know, super fast, super quick, you know, a very – because I think Alistair, when it comes to just setting up in the pocket, I mean, obviously his experience level, he's going to be comfortable there. You know what I mean? He's seen everything. There's nothing in the striking game that he hasn't seen. I think it would uh, behoove him to, to clinch. I think it would behoove Alistair to maybe even take this fight to the ground. I'm not saying he should just stand in the pocket and tee off, but I feel like – you know, the kind of opponents I worry about with Alistair right now are the ones that are, you know, faster than he is and, 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 and can just keep the pressure on him. And um, I just – I don't – maybe I'm wrong, but I just don't see that with Sakai. I, I feel like um, Overham should be able to win this fight. He should be able to win it, and you're right to that. I guess I went the opposite route. I actually took Sakai on this one, and I don't know if partly because I thought that the last fight 
uh, and I can't take it away from Overman. He was able to beat Walt Harris, which right. going into that when I picked Harris, he was uh, you know very emotional going into it. I thought that there was no way that anything that uh, Overman could do could stop that right. train at that point. But we do realize that, that maybe there was some other stuff in there uh, happening. But he was able to get the victory. He looked really, really good. But I felt like that one, I felt like he pulled that one out of the ether, even though he wasn't probably supposed to win that. So when I started thinking about it, could he do it two times in a row, I just wasn't sure. Um, even watching him today on the media day, the definitely he realized that the end is near, but we're still getting, I just felt like this going through the motions sort of, feel from him not that that means that he would slacken his training because i would never say something like that right. but i just feel like that when you look at sakai it's not like you look at him and you think like oh he's dangerous here 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 right but not that i'm thinking that he's going to overlook him but i think it's just once it becomes routine or so routine that he's like oh i just need to go in there and do my things that i think sakai he's got that youth so I, a lot of times with some of these fighters i just tend to lean towards that youth factor Sakai, while he doesn't have these huge names uh, on his list, besides, like, I mean, Andre Arlovsky, which is a good one, Tybura, even Av, I'm like, eh, those aren't really the most right. dangerous opponents that he's gotten wins over, but he has. So I feel like if there's a fight that a fighter, if it wasn't Arlovsky, if there's a fighter that is going to be put on his roster where he's like, this is the fight, if I'm going to ever really make my big coming out showing this is going to be that fight for him. So I'm assuming that he trained his behind off knowing that if he can get a win over over him, this is going to put his stamp on the division that I am here. I am somebody you need to watch out for. So I guess I went with the side of youth and the, and the side of over him spent a lot of his, I don't know, luck in that last fight. That's interesting. Um, so I, I picked Sakai to win this one, um, but I would not be surprised if Overeem comes out and still proves that he's as dangerous as ever, I mean, I know he wants to try to do one, you know, that last title run. Uh, I'm not confident that he's going to make it there. No, I, I agree with that. But I do realize that every fight that he's going into is that final fight. That if he doesn't win, his last shot at the run is over. That's it. So I know he has a lot of pressure. I know he's trying to. Do, to push himself for it and I know that I mean uh, he's dangerous as all get out throughout the whole fight it's not like uh, we've seen Sky wear people down um, but he does have a decent amount of decisions so I know I'm not too worried about Sakai's cardio going through uh, the full three rounds or whatever um, so is this going to be a three round or five, five. round wow I know Last week was so weird with them choosing to do a three-round main event. And I think the youth, that benefits youth in this case. I mean, with two big bodies, if it stays clinching, if it stays expending a lot of infor- uh, a lot of energy, I'm still going to be leaning probably towards Sakai. Um, but it could be interesting. It could be interesting. But I could be completely nuts, which my picks this year have absolutely sucked because <laughs> – I've I've gotten caught up on one thing or another, and so right now I'm so caught up on the fact of here's a youth versus a veteran, but also youth coming and knowing that this is going to be the biggest name, uh, the biggest skin to hang on his wall right. to date. So I'm thinking that he's going to go on their focus, and then I see a guy on another end, on the opposite side, seeing like 
just feeling like not that he's going through the motion because in his mind, yes, he's trying to do a title, but I just get when I watch him, I feel like he's like, eh, I'm nearing the end of my career. Do I really believe I'll get to the title? And I don't feel that from him. I don't. I'm not even sure Overeem believes that he can make it to the title. He's very nonchalant in the way, he and that's why yeah, it's yeah. it's hard to read him. I know. It's hard to read him, and he, and maybe in his head that he Never does, you know. But if he doesn't honestly believe that, then he might he runs the risk of going into this kind of a fight, overlooking his opponent and not giving his opponent his due diligence, and so. That's what I'm thinking is going to probably happen in this one. I'm uh, intrigued again by the rescheduled co-main event, Alonzo Minifield versus Event St. Pru. Uh, again, I, I never like to uh, go against the Fortis MMA crew. Obviously, we're, we're big big fans of Safe Saud and, and obviously, you know, carrying the torch for Dallas MMA, my hometown. Uh, I'm always pulling As you're for supporting him. a Dallas Cowboys shirt. That's what I'm saying. We're always back in Dallas. But um, I will say uh, – I, I like Ovin St. Pru here as the underdog, man. I really do like. Did you? You picked I did, that yeah, one. Yeah, I like OSP as the underdog. Uh, the the size. I think there's going to be a, a you know a big difference in the frame between him and Alonzo's. I mean, he's powerful, but he's very very compact. Yeah. Um, and, and OSP, uh, just kind of the veteran savvy as well there. So I I like OSP. So I'm I'm intrigued by this one because this could be to me this is a this is a real big test over where. Um, where Alonzo Minifield is going to be, you know what I mean? He's yep. he's he's uh, he's had some big wins, um, you know, some some very explosive victories to start out his career, both both uh, in the Contender Series and in the UFC, and then you know against Devin Clark, it definitely didn't go his way, and he was kind of ground out there. And I, f- I just feel like maybe that's a the type of performance that OSP can uh, can repeat. So um, it's not you know it's not big dog money. I think OSP is like plus one ten or whatever, so it's damn near a pick him, but. I, I, I kind of like him as an underdog there. Yeah, and and I can get with that. I mean, completely, if it, it goes to the ground, and if OSP gets him to the ground, uh, it's his world, and Alonzo's going to be in a lot of trouble. But if they can stay standing on their feet, Alonzo has such crazy power right now. Um, I would give it – I actually leaned towards Alonzo in this because I just don't yep. see this fight. Uh, one, I don't see it going the distance, so I just – I'm not trying to jinx the universe and, and put it out there. But I just see this fight that if OSP doesn't get in there, doesn't grab him, doesn't take him down, he's going to get finished. Mm-hmm. And I love OSP. I think OSP is a great dude. But we've just seen him get tested more and more. And uh, if it gets to the ground, it's OSP's fight for sure. Alonzo's got to do a decent job of staying separated. And if he can lay in hands, it's over. Because he's he's just destroying dudes. If he, if he can lay hands on them um, – It'll, it'll, it's be just, it's, it's it'll be night night. It's it's night night. It'll be night night. So uh, I'm picking night night over <laughs> over get put to sleep. Uh, <laughs> it does seem like uh, I believe Ray Rodriguez is the name stepping in to face uh, Brian Kelleher on short notice. Uh, that's not been made official yet, but I'm sure it will be uh, by the time that uh, you guys listen to this. Uh, as we said, we mentioned Zaleem Imadiah versus Michelle Bahada. Hopefully that fight happens. I think it'll be nuts. Uh, Jalen Turner versus Tiago Moises. That's a, that's a potentially good fight as well. And then only a nine fight card to me. The class of the of the prelims is uh, Viviana Araujo versus Montana De La Rosa. Oh, yeah. uh, yeah. <clears throat> fight of the night. We're looking at that uh, as the featured night of the prelims for two very different reasons, I imagine. But I, I do think it is uh, the fight that, that makes the most uh, kind of immediate impact on a division uh, in terms of you know potentially ranked opponents. So overall, listen. Yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> what you were thinking, huh? Go That's coffee. exactly what I was thinking. Uh, overall, like I said, nine fights with with all the shuffling around, so it should be a, a pretty quick night, which is cool. Uh, it'll be again. I'll be on. Uh, 
I'll be on furlough, so I'll just be watching it on on uh, ESPN Plus. But we will have an and a half episode afterwards. Uh, I'll handle that while Cold Coffee is working hard. In Cold the Coffee and hot tea in the back. I it's, like it. it's a slim crew. These last couple events have been slim pickings. So yeah, it's. Uh, I get, dude. I've got. I get so much hate on social media because you're from, not there asking no, the question. No, no, no. From people that are like, "You ask too many questions. Can you stop?" I'm like. There's six reporters here, dude. Yeah. Like, if we all ask one or two questions, like every interview is going to be like 90 seconds. Like, well, what and are you that's the thing. About? And like half of them don't even ask. Like, even a lot of times when we're back there, and there's uh, one of the recent events. I can't remember which one. There was probably it was a rare occasion when there was maybe like 20 media back there by the end of the night. Right. And at some point, uh, it was still like three of us asking questions, and it was just like. It's sorry that you know you're getting multiple questions from the same people, but nobody else is asking questions. Yeah, so, so it's like we're we're gonna just ask. So the fire gets asked some questions, and then we're gonna get the f out. But we're not gonna also dilly dally. Like I don't care to hear my voice. I'm not gonna make a reel of myself asking questions. But I will ask questions because questions should be asked or whatever. Yeah. So it is what it is. But uh, yeah, but no, it should be pretty. Pretty short and sweet these one these uh this this coming event because uh, I think there's probably only going to be maybe five or six of us in the back Jeez. at most. Okay, all right, a couple other uh, things uh, that I want to touch on before we get out of here. Uh, it may have slipped under your radar a little bit. The first one here: Alexander Doskolchuk accepts a sanction for violation of an anti-doping policy. How did I missed that one. I know, I know. This is a UFC week. fighter. He signed week. He signed with the UFC earlier this year. He has yet to debut. Uh, former M1 heavyweight champion. 10-1 in his career. Eight finishes along the way. He's from Ukraine. Um, yeah, I, I get it. Probably not on a lot of people's radar, Alexander Doskalchuk. But let me explain why this bothers me. Uh, he tested positive for uh, Mysterolone, I believe is how you pronounce it, which is a non-specified substance in the class of anabolic agents and is prohibited at all times under the USC anti-doping policy and USC prohibited list. So he did test positive, positive for an anabolic agent. Uh, understand that is not good. Um, but listen to this. During an, and This comes directly from USADA. This is from their announcement of what happened. And this is, this is directly from the press release. During an investigation into the circumstances of the case, Doskalchuk provided evidence that a physician incorrectly prescribed him a prohibited medication containing mesterolone, despite the fact that Doskalchuk sent him the UFC wallet card and requested treatment permitted under the rules. As such, USADA determined that Doskalchuk's degree of fault was diminished and that he should receive a reduced period of ineligibility. Doskalchuk received an additional reduction to the otherwise applicable period of ineligibility for his full and complete cooperation. Under the revised uh, UFC anti-doping program announced on November 25, 2019, a full and complete cooperation reduction may be granted in the event that an athlete demonstrates that they did not intend to enhance their performance and provided full, prompt, and truthful responses and information to all reasonable inquiries and requests for information. So, to outline what we just heard there, this man told his doctor that I do I want to make sure you don't give me anything that would get me in trouble from this list. Right, right. And they gave they gave him something he tested positive for. Then Usada comes and knocks on his door and says, "Hey, you tested positive." He said, "Let me help you. I'm, I'm, this was not the intent. I, I you have my full and complete cooperation." He's facing a potential two year suspension, and they reduce it to fourteen months. That's crazy. That's still a long time. 
14 months is too long. And and I tweeted about this, and I said, listen, when I read this, and, and I haven't had a chance to talk to Jeff Nowitzki about this, and maybe he could give us some, some more insight. I'm going to follow up on this because I want to know. Because what I could see is if, if you know, this doctor prescribed him something he wasn't supposed to and USADA did their investigation and they were like, these dudes are working in cahoots, man. You know what I mean? The, the doctor's taking the fall for him. We can't suspend the doctor. We can't do anything to the doctor. So the doctor's just being the fall guy. If they were saying that, and I don't know how it would how you would word that, but I would think if you thought that was the case that you wouldn't praise him for his full and complete cooperation. Because if you think he's lying to you, if you think he's – you know, again, working with this doctor or, you know, you know, setting up some kind of shield for him, I wouldn't think you would do that. So the reduction to four, if that is literally what happened, if what I read from USADA, that this man had the wherewithal to say, don't give me anything that gets me in trouble because of this, and he got something anyway, that seems, 14 months seems way too harsh for me. Seems ridiculous. Right? It's ridiculous. Shocking. All right, so I want to put that out there because uh, listen, I, I'm, I don't, I'm not one of these people that says, "Oh, you saw this corrupt, you saw this, you saw that." I'm not. I like the program. I, I appreciate what you saw this trying to do. For the most part, I feel like they try to do the right thing, but I do feel like we should look at these individual actions and say, "Hey, is this right?" And I just yep. don't. I just, I don't know that this is right. I mean, we've seen them. We've seen them give a lot more lenient things for guys that have done less than what it sounds like this guy has done. And it makes you just wonder if it was somebody maybe here in the U.S. that was maybe carrying a little maybe more push from the UFC that we wouldn't see that 14-month. Oh, you're right. Yeah, there's somebody, less. There's somebody you'd actually heard of before. Yes, exactly. You know what I mean? No disrespect, but if it was somebody yeah. actually heard of. All right, so that's USADA. Now I want to turn our attention to Nevada State Athletic Commission, which earlier today suspended and fined Jamal Hill, Tim Elliott, and Luis Pena for what? For weed. In 2020, in Las Vegas, Nevada, the Nevada State Athletic Commission suspended them for weed. Now, it's not long, long suspensions, but Jamal Hill did win his fight. They overturned his win. Now, that, mm. that, you know, it doesn't take any money from his pockets. The UFC isn't going to come back and ask for the win bonus back. But still, you're taking a win off his record. Why do you need to do that? You don't need to take a win off his record. He was suspended six months, which, you know – I mean, at the highest level of six-month suspension is nothing because if you're a champion, you're probably only fighting twice a year anyway. At a little bit lower level in the UFC, you might find three or four times a year. So that, you know, it might cost him a, a bout. It might cost him a bout, and that's significant. And they also find him 15% of his of purse, which, again, 15% is not a huge amount. But for marijuana, I don't think – I think it should be zero. Now, Elliot and Pena both got suspended for four and a half months uh, and fined 15%. So their suspension was reduced because they stepped in on short notice. Um, and so they said, well, listen, you didn't have, you know, you, you only had two weeks. You only had a week uh, and a half. We understand that maybe some marijuana was still in your system and we're, we're going to fine you less. I guess kudos. I just don't think we should be suspending for this. I, I to me, and I'm not like a, I'm not like a massive marijuana advocate or something like that. It's not like I'm just, you know, beating the drum. But to me, marijuana <laughs> look, if you're under – this is what I always say. Look, marijuana – like, for instance, you know, people always say, well, you know, but it's legal. So, okay, fine. But you're not allowed to be under the influence of alcohol in fight. You can't be drunk and fight. And, and, and understand the reason being is fighter safety. You don't want a fighter that's impaired uh, under the influence of something to not be able to defend themselves properly. So I believe that, yes, if a, if, if a commission representative observes that you are high – 
and under the influence of marijuana or any, you know, drug for that matter, then yes, you should not be able to fight. But outside of that, if you smoked weed a day ago, two days ago, some are saying a week and two weeks and it stays in your system because these people are cutting weight because of everything that's going on. Yeah. That is absolutely ridiculous, man. Yep. And I, 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 um, if they don't catch it fight night, if they don't see it. somebody absolutely red eyed and high and they don't whatever, you shouldn't be you shouldn't be penalizing for it. Not at all. I, if you're impaired, you should absolutely not be able to fight. That's fighter safety. Um, I, I think once I get back to junkie, I'm gonna have to write something about this, like an open letter to the commissions or something. Uh, it's just gotta change. Dear commission, stop yeah. being stupid. Done. Done. <laughs> there it is. There's my open letter. Signed, America and everyone with a brain. Yeah, America. No, I just to me it seems obvious. So I, I don't know. I just I, I I had to admit I was a little shocked to see that. Uh, I was a little shocked to see that. By the way, one important piece of information that got done: uh, Ryan Benoit and uh, Roman Delice, uh They also had special hearings. Uh, because they've had these these pulsing issues with Terenabol. This is very similar to like the John Jones thing, uh, where you have this these levels that pulse and they stay over time. Uh, but the UFC actually filed a request with the commission to say, hey, we want you to be aware of this. We want you to know the research that's gone into it. We want you to know what's happened. Uh, basically getting out ahead of it. You know, the, the, the UFC is trying to help these athletes by getting out ahead of it with the commission and say, look, these guys have already been punished. Uh, they've already seen their, their suspensions pass. And now you're going to find trace amounts of this stuff because it sti- it sticks around forever. Um, I thought that was good to see the USC getting involved and trying yeah. to stay ahead and kind of advocating for the athletes. You know what I mean? I thought that was cool to see. All right. Um, one other thing that I think definitely probably flew under a lot of people's radar, but I think is a big deal. And, again, maybe this is just me thinking about the, the sport as a whole. But the USC was named the official high-performance advisor to the Chinese Olympic Committee. So what does that mean? You say, well, well, the UFC Performance Institute Shanghai was also named the official high-performance training center of the Chinese Olympic Committee, and the UFC will help prepare Chinese athletes for the 2021 Tokyo Summer Olympics and 2022 Beijing Winter Olympics. Now, the UFC has already been working with some of these Chinese uh, Olympic athletes already. They've come over here to the United States. They've worked them yep. in Shanghai. But now this is, a, is an official partnership. And here's a quote from Kevin Chang, uh, Senior VP of UFC Asia Pacific. Uh, Kevin's a good dude, man. He's been around the game for a while. Uh, but he said, the UFC is proud to partner with the Chinese Olympic Committee and be a valuable resource for their athletes. The UFC built this facility to demonstrate its strong commitment to China and to serve elite-level athletes who want to develop their skills and achieve excellence in their respective sports. This partnership is a model for how we want to serve the athletic community in Asia going forward. So all the all the stuff that the Performance Institute provides to UFC athletes, it's going to provide to these Chinese Olympic athletes as well, including you know training, nutrition, supplementation, conditioning, all this stuff, medical services, rehab, all that good stuff. The reason why I think this is a big deal and uh, you know, look, we didn't put anything about it on Junkie. Now, again, I'm not working this week, and I get it. A lot of people would just read that press release and say, what do I care about that? I think this is a big deal because we know, you know, I, I can tell you from my travels over to Asia, and we've talked about it before. I mean, look, every Western company is trying to get a foothold in the Chinese market, right? I mean, they're, it's a massive, you know, one-plus billion people economic powerhouse. Now, of course, some people may have some – uh, not so positive feelings about China, de- given the current pandemic that we're dealing with that originated there. But in terms of their financial power and what they bring to the table, it's it's the the economic impacts are huge. And for the USC to go in there 
And you say, well, how are they going to get a foothold? One championship can't get a foothold. Uh, you know, all these other companies have tried and they have failed. The UFC is actually basically going into China and saying, now here's what we're doing for you. Not just what we expect you allow us to operate. They're literally partnering with the government. You know, we know that China loves to see their Olympic athletes do good because that's a sign of power to the world, right? To see yep. Chinese yep. athletes be successful. And so for the UFC to say, hey, look, we got this you know, amazing performance center and we're going to give you access to all this and we're going to help you achieve the success. Now all of a sudden the government of China wants to help you. Instead of they're allowing you to operate, they're allowing you to get through, now you are really a partner in the community, so to speak. Yep. And they're going to help. And I just, to me, man, I think this is brilliant. You talk about getting a foothold in that market. Man, I, I think this is a way to get a foothold in that market and uh, man, the, you know all the all the financial benefits that you can reap from that partnership. What surprised me in that I could be, I could be wrong. I was under the impression that half the people that are probably staffing this are going to be Chinese personnel in the first place. Sure, specialists, trainers, sure. and stuff. So it felt to me that it was already something that was mutually beneficial and something that was already kind of working out. Like it's not like the UFC is like I'm going to send these top. American trainers to go over and expect them to try to work with Chinese athletes. Right. I think they probably went over and probably have some people doing it, but I think they're probably finding the cream of the crop that are already working with Chinese athletes that are probably already Chinese right. and employing them. And they were probably given sure. to the UFC by the government, yep. knowing that at some point down the line, it's easy for the Chinese government to get behind them because it's probably mainly staffed by Chinese people within it. And that's good, creating a couple jobs in the community. But this, to sure. me, is I mean, on it's another level. I agree. It's still it's still sort of leaning and it's still embracing the UFC uh, brand, which is a global brand. And it's a very Western brand, so it's good for China in that sense. But I bet if you get down to the brass tacks and you're like, let me walk through this facility – you would think it's a Chinese-run oh, facility absolutely. that just happens to have a, uh, an American company's name on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it didn't surprise me too much. I mean, because I, I just assumed that it was probably one of those things that knowing anybody that does business in China and, and a lot of those things, like the government, just like in Brazil and other places, is very involved. So the fact that <laughs> That's it opened one way to up, put it. <laughs> yeah. So when so when it opened up in the first place, uh, I assumed that there would be some sort of involvement. So I wasn't surprised by it. I think it's cool um, to give it some sort of you know because now if anything else, the uh, Chinese uh, just I guess like we would call them casuals, right. people that didn't pay attention to what this UFC, what this uh, MMA there is. They understand what Olympics means to the country yes. of China, so it's gonna it's gonna go to everybody else and it, that understands you know like that roots for their Chinese athletes. Right, they're gonna be like, well, what's the, what's this UFC all about? That's it, and you I know? just that's and that, that's what I think, and that's why I point to this. Like, um, to me, this is such a, a smart long term play. You know what I mean? You remember how excited we yep. were about the Performance Institute because we saw 
the future. You know, and I'm talking about the one here in Vegas. Like we saw, like, oh my God, do you understand the yeah. type of impact it's gonna have on the sport? It's changed the game. And I remember I remember catching so much grief online because like for our annual awards, I, I and I was the one given the task of naming the gym of the year that year. Yeah. And the year it opened, I named the Performance Institute and I explained why. I said, Listen, I get it. As far as normally when you say gym of the year, you mean like a team and how they did. But technically right. this is a gym. You know what I mean? And it's going to have more impact on the sport than any other gym in the world. Yeah. And I caught a lot of grief for that, but I thought I was making a point of saying, like, look, pay attention to this thing. And that's what I see here. I think what's going to happen is five years from now, ten years from now, you're going to look up and you're going to say, how the hell did the UFC get so popular in China? Like, what was it that made them yeah. – now, of course, you know, athletes like Zhang Weili, athletes like Li Jing Yeah, Lang, they definitely help. They they're definitely gonna help. help. But I think this right here yeah. is what's going to help the Chinese government help promote their brand. And as you, as you so politely put it, the Chinese government is very involved in yeah. things. <laughs> and and I, I, I think – so to me, I get why this flew under the radar. I don't think – I don't know if anybody in the space wrote about it. I know we didn't at Junkie. I don't know if anybody did. I'm telling you right now, five years from now, ten years from now, uh, when we're on episode number 850 in a row, never missing a week. It have to be – yeah, I guess so. Never missing a week. I have to do the math, but yeah, it sounds right. <laughs> We're going to be talking about this and saying, remember when we talked remember about we that? Remember we said about how this opened up? Told you this was going to be yeah. a big deal because now they're helping create these Chinese success stories, which means China is going to try to help create a UFC success story. Yeah, which is crazy. I mean, even now, and it's not like it's like UFC PI versus ATT or versus AKA. It's just a, it's a wonderful resource so while you did and you justified why it, it was the gym of the year, because it's a game changer. Every fighter yep. now, at some point, even if they're training wherever, has either called the UFC people about nutrition. Right. They've tried to set something up. They're, they're relying or leaning on, at some point, the specialists that are working at the PI. So whether they might not be the home gym for somebody – but the the knowledge and the stuff that they're that they're giving to these athletes to help promote the sport and to push it to the next level, you can't take it away and you can't hate on the UFC and you can't be like, oh, well, that's just the UFC, whatever. It legit is a, a big deal what they've done with the PI and the fact that it's now being replicated into other areas mm -hmm. and this is. It's going to go other places as well. Yep. I mean, I'm sure down in had other it not been, regions. For, had it not been for like COVID. Like Australia, New Zealand, I wouldn't be surprised if that's eventually mm -hmm. location yep. just for the fact of that particular region, just to be able to get it down there. I would not be surprised if they open up another PI down there. They've already said they're doing Mexico. They've looked at yep. you know uh, other Latin America. So, I mean, had it not been for COVID, we probably already would have had the, the Mexican one done by now. Yeah, it's so. crazy. Anyway. Something that might have flown under your radar, but I just wanted to flag it because I think it, it is uh, important and relevant to the to the growth of the sport. So, uh, all right, listen. Like I said, I'm 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 on furlough, but I'm almost done. I'm excited for that, so I won't be uh, at the fights on Saturday night, but I will be watching them. And of course, we will do an and a half episode afterwards. So make yeah, sure you, you head will. on over to uh, Patreon.com/slash The MMA Road Show. I'll be using some audio that Cold Coffee collects from the media yes. tent, and uh, and I'll be and giving my tea. thoughts. And Hot Tea will be there as well. You know, we'll probably share a little bit of his. And by the way. Mentioned the uh, the Fight Island trip. Uh, I have talked to, to Hot T as well, Oscar Willis from the Mac Life, and uh, he's going over there for the full stretch as well. So um, I think yeah. there's going to be a lot of the repeat, probably have repeat a lot of, visitors. I think, a lot I, think that, I think a lot of the people that went over the first time are going to repeat their trips. Yeah. So I imagine any outlet, if you, if you follow another outlet, how dare you? Why would you? That uh, went over there, I assume it's going to be probably the same sort of I bunch. Would. Even though it is a longer stretch, it is a longer ask. Uh, I imagine the same ones will go. Yeah, it's tough to turn down, especially, man, when you're talking about 
the pay-per-view that's on the front end and the yeah. pay-per-view that's on the back end. You know, the fight nights in between, we don't know exactly what they're going to look like, and they're, I'm sure they're going to be good. Yeah. But those pay-per-views, 253 and 254, ones. are massive. Big, big fights. Massive. All right, so listen, uh, you know, if you're in the kind of giving to the universe thing, send some good vibes, cold coffee's way. He, uh, he rallied to do the show tonight on what hasn't <laughs> been uh, the greatest day for him and the greatest stretch for him. So send some some good positive vibes yeah. into the universe for Mr. Cold Coffee. And uh, I'll take some too so I can get over this irrational fear I have of yeah. claustrophobia on flights because this is going to mess me up in my career if I can't get the thing figured out. So, uh, <laughs> Or I'll just be drunk every time I get on a plane. That's it. In the meantime, thanks for listening.